Hi, everybody, and welcome to No Country. My name is J. David Osborne, and that is Chris Sacknessum. Chris, how are you doing this evening? Better every day, David. I am settling into the new house in Boulder City. I'm enjoying the bighorn sheep that wander the streets. They, they have taken up, they, they really just occupy uh, a little park uh, just down the hill from me towards uh, Lake Mead. They're magic to see. And driving uh, to the store today, I saw one with, uh, normally they're in a big group, the big herd, but uh, there were two, and I assume sort of maybe, you know, partners or whatever. Uh, One had a a big red card hanging from uh, an antler, so it's been marked. I I think the uh, Bureau of Wildlife Management, you know, tracks creatures and and just keeps you know an eye on on health and you know basic migration patterns movements etc but it looked like a price tag you know and and another one uh coming up behind it did not have any card and i thought well one's sort of for sale or has been sold and one is either not for sale or you know just lost the card or whatever but it was interesting you know i thought how would it be if you had well first of all how would it be if you have antlers you know that would that's a big thing uh but how would you be with great antlers and this red tag hanging off it like just exactly like what the antique shop women have put on a couple of things that i've put on lay by and you know, as much to chat them up as, as because I, I, I'm interested in the, the objects in question. I am interested in the objects, but it's a nice way to introduce and, and you know, get, get starting talking with local women. But I think it's funny that, you know, here's this beautiful creature walking around with a red car dangling from its antlers. Mm-hmm. Horns. No, it is... It is interesting to think about the different animals that have been tagged and tracked, whether it's pigeons, coyotes. It is always interesting to see that, you know, sometimes you'll see a, a coyote in the road and it'll have a little, like, uh, like the kind of ankle bracelet that you wear when you've been caught, uh, I don't know, stealing or something, whatever they do when they put you on house arrest. But I'm glad to hear that you have moved in over here. We are in the process of the slow and gradual move from our house nearby uh, to where uh, people have been smoking meth to a new house that's by schools and in a neighborhood where children ride bicycles and seem to be mostly carefree. Um, in this neighborhood, families move in kids play outside for about a week and then you just don't see them again because the parents have (laughs) noticed some of the denizens walking the streets and have said you know it's not gonna be be maybe not safe hey what happened to that uh the the kind of abandoned or or derelict house the house scheduled for demolition uh nearby if not next door it what 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 went on with that it was purchased by a Mexican fellow who showed up about six months ago and had it in his mind that he was going to fix the house up. So there was a whirlwind construction effort. I've never seen anything like it. Four Mexican dudes 
went to work on the foundation of this abandoned house and section by section replaced it with a nice looking concrete foundation and began to work on the siding of the house. I guess the idea was to get a new frame up and then, uh, you know, just torch the inside, not literally, but completely redo the whole thing. Unfortunately, they got to a certain point about four months ago uh, and I actually saw this woman show up, this, you know, pantsuit, uh, very official, and she's kind of walking around the house taking pictures. I thought, oh, that's never good. When white women show up like that, it's never a good sign. She, so she left something on the door. <laughs> she left something on the door, and I went and read it, and it was a notice that the house was a, a public nuisance, that the city had declared it a public nuisance, and that it needed to be torn down. The house has still not been torn down. This is the house that the crackheads have been uh, smoking meth in. Well, in the shed, not in the house itself, but in the in the shed nearby. So it's uh, in the entire time that I've lived there here, I should say, about 18 months. Uh, it was slated to be torn down, and it has just escaped by the skin of its teeth each time. And it's a real, you know, the whole thing is a real shame because. The house itself, if it was built around the same time as my house, it would be early 70s. And its you could tell at one point it was a beautiful home that just got completely uh, left to rot and fall into disrepair. And uh, if I can picture in my head the way this house would have looked in the early 70s when it was first built, and I can picture the family that moved into it, uh, hopes, dreams, they probably bought the house for, what would you think, $40,000? 45 something like that um uh, maybe less in this i don't know maybe, i i think maybe in, in oklahoma in norman oklahoma in the 70s you're probably right um and it's just such a symbol right now of the of where everything is going uh, listen i just want to interject a thought here because you triggered as you always do uh and I, i'm so grateful for it um I, I happen to know exactly what the median home price for my uh, jurisdiction growing up, which was the Bay Area, on the day I was born, because a relative uh, stacked me up with all these crazy newspapers, I remember but this. also a yeah. lot of local stuff. Mm -hmm. Keep a scrapbook of those sorts of basic things for Gus, because... We shouldn't trust the internet to, you know, keep track of those things. A few basic, you know, baseline uh, issues, I think, is, is maybe the way to think of it, of, of, of cost, of, of, of what things, you know, what things were worth on, you know, in these early mm -hmm. days. And I think he'll really appreciate that come his, like, 18th or 21st birthday, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. The um, It would be interesting to begin to create a scrapbook for Gus, considering the fact that since he was born 10 and a half months ago, gas is now $4. There is an escalating geopolitical conflict in the Ukraine with potential worldwide implications. COVID has largely disappeared, but when he was born, it was the talk of the town. You couldn't have a conversation with somebody without mentioning covid and now i i don't see anybody in masks i went to dallas and i didn't see anybody there with masks it's almost as though 
it never happened. Oh, okay. Listen, you've 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 jumped straight into the week in dissonance, and you and all the, I I'm completely ready to jump into these issues. I totally am, but we can't forget. Uh, a reminder to listeners that you've been given five words, two of your choice to integrate into the discussion. And mm-hmm. you have, again, an imaginative challenge, which you always respond to well, but you are always a little bit squiggly and squirrely to try to get out of at the start. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where the magic comes from. I have to yeah. be pursued. It's like a Pepe yeah. Le Pew thing, you know? Yeah, well, you're slippery, you know, in a yeah, good way. Exactly. You know, yeah. you're not a big guy, but you're sort of slippery like a wrestler, you know, or, yeah. you know, something in a stream bed, you know, like a mm-hmm. freshwater uh, crayfish that's hard to catch, you know. I like um, that. I used to eat yeah. crayfish out of a cooler when I was visiting my aunt in Louisiana. We would just oh, crack it and suck all the guts out. It's completely disgusting, but I have fond memories of it. You know, I started a business based on that in, in Vanuatu with a bunch of young kids. And they they continued on. We, we would catch them and sell them to the hotels. I was the white front man, and they were the young, agile, black, you know, mm-hmm. uh, actors really making it happen. And it was, it was enormously successful. And my lead... Uh, was a gal, uh, she was 12 years old, and she hustled up the younger boy. She, she was the, the wrangler. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, went on, she's, um, oh, she went on to a great career in Parliament in, in Vanuatu and ended up buying one of the restaurants on the way, ended up buying one of the restaurants that we sold freshwater crayfish to. She was I saw, a genius. I saw a, about a 12-foot-tall house protector statue from Vanuatu in the Dallas Museum of Art yesterday that wow. had a very frightening countenance and an absolutely enormous erect penis shooting straight out at about eye level. Um, all of the stuff from PNG that I saw in the museum, very phallic oriented. Lots of yeah. big dicks. Yeah, there is that. Or And there are bird creatures with noses that connect down to the genital area and yeah there's a lot of uh well it connects you know it's a world idea isn't it i mean it's priapus you know the greeks sure. yep. and the romans uh i mean they're really you know we, we we try to escape binaries but you know there's kind of a fundamental binary that no one can really ever escape you know mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. I'm glad you got to see. I mean, some of their art, I think, is some of the most beautiful in the world. Um, I agree. I agree with that. I saw some great uh, northern Alaskan headdresses and masks that I fell in love with. I saw a Mayan, uh, a statue of a man who had been worshipping uh, the flayed god of, of Mayan lore. And so it's a statue of a guy who's wearing the skin of a sacrificial victim. And you can see where the skin is supposed to be connected to to his back and across his chest there's a gaping wound where the victim's heart was taken out so i I was like i was completely captivated by that but i'm not trying to wriggle out what's my what's my challenge here because i'll just i could go on about what i saw in this museum for days 
Okay, well, this is targeted, but I think it does link into so many things that we're talking about and trying to uh, dissect and keep alive at the same time. Uh, things that we're both interested in, things that that in that are are specific, but maybe tell a much, much, much bigger story. But it comes down to a creative challenge, because I think that. Um, I think you and I could run a great advertising agency. You know, you'd be really fun to work with. Mm -hmm. We brainstorm well together. We work to deadlines. We're professional. So the the assignment is an ad campaign lead idea. Okay. okay. So it's a tagline and a core uh, execution of a TVC, but maybe a, you know a few print ads, something, a few key images, memes, if you will, memes, okay. if you will, yeah. but. I think you'll get with why this links into uh, a lot of things we're talking about over the whole course of uh, the podcast series, which is now running to 79, uh, you know, episodes of many, um, oh, well over 100 hours of, of, of discussion. Uh, but it's a topic that we, we both love. We, we don't live in New York, but we, we both love New York. Many people do. It's a mythic city. It's, it's the heart of the American idea, I think, still, or the American empire idea, still. Right. Uh, I, I noticed with um, surprise during the Super Bowl that uh, there was a very, very uh, intense ad for California about dream big, come to California, with a real emphasis on Hollywood. And my first thought was how pathetic that, that you know, Hollywood and Southern California, sunshine, waves, the ocean, big boobs, uh, great food, you know, that they had to advertise you know, to get people to come back to California or to stop leaving California. Mm -hmm. And New York City is, is in a, a, another phase of transition now. It is the great American empire city. It's America's first city. It is undeniably a world city of human history uh, terms. You know, mm -hmm. it's on yeah. a level of Rome, Paris, uh, <clears throat> London, uh, Shanghai, Beijing, you know, many other cities. I want you to develop uh, an, a core advertising concept to get people to return to New York City. I'll leave it to you if you focus on tourism and short-term visitation or the more dire problem that is being faced of uh, residential, you know, inhabitation of people investing, living uh, getting New York, particularly Manhattan, cranked up again because it's kind of ghostly and it's being invaded by uh, parasitical predatory foreign money. A lot of big buildings, uh, you know, left vacant. People still haven't returned to work. Maybe the work phase of, of tomorrow is not going to favor, you know, big uh, Wall Street or uh, Midtown uh, office groups. Uh, maybe it will. Of course it will. Uh, but I'll leave it to you. Of, of, of a promotional campaign 
for reinventing New York City with the recent California Dream Big campaign in mind, which, you know, I frankly, in my lifetime, can't believe, I just can't believe that California would ever have to run any kind of ad campaign <laughs> to get people to come. You know, it, it, it's, it's just inconceivable to me. So I think New York is in a similar position. All its assets are still in play. Uh, all of its grime and grit and crime are, are you know, all, everything that's been bad about the city ever, I think, is, is in full flight now. Uh, and some of it you and I both love and, and, and enjoy. Yeah. Um, and some of it we probably wouldn't. Uh, but so th think of that. Uh, but I want to throw in one other uh, sort of kicker or writer here okay. that you're now a mid 30s father of a child. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm interested, to, I, I'm really, really interested how you and Rios will develop, uh, you know, because you're, you know, edgy. Uh, you know, kind of wild people. Mm -hmm. And I'm very interested in your journey of how you define family-friendly uh, because that's going to be different than what other people define as family-friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope, I hope. And I also hope that it, 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 it does strike a balance with tradition and, and edge. Uh, so think of this, you, you, you've got to come up with a campaign slogan, uh, a, a core visual approach, and, and possibly a brief, uh, well, a scenario for, for a 30-second TVC. Okay. Yeah. All Good. right. All yeah. right. Ready to roll. Challenge accepted. So picking up where we left off a bit, things are changing. You know, I think you said this a few episodes ago i was talking about the overall trajectory of of history right history has returned in full force over the past few weeks and i was i had mentioned something about i don't know where this is going to go in the next few years and you said try the next few weeks and sure enough here we are a few weeks later and it does indeed appear to be changing at a rapid pace. Our, uh, our aforementioned trip to Dallas was complete with $4 a gallon gasoline. <laughs> and walking around downtown Dallas from Dealey Plaza up Main Street over to Elm to Federal to get to the Dallas Museum of Art, I saw... Uh, billboards everywhere, digital billboards, the kind that rotates on about a 10-second timer uh, that just said, Stand with Ukraine, with the Ukrainian flag on them. And I couldn't, I looked at these billboards over and over and over again, and I could not figure out who was paying for them, where they were coming from. It would make sense if it was, you know, Nike, right? If there was a little Nike swoosh, but it was in... Yellow and or Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> or Colin Kaepernick, or any any of those types of things. But no, it was just stand with Ukraine. So, 
I found that to be very interesting, especially because, you know, we were there last night and we were, we actually left before party time kicked in, but the revelers were out. We were passed by a mobile massage chair touring vehicle. So a bus with a bunch of massage chairs on it and a gaggle, a, a, a gaggle of forty-something drunk women hanging out the windows, yelling at passers-by. Uh, we actually headed from there towards our hotel, which is about fifteen miles away in the currently being revitalized Korean district, which is just fascinating because it's old factories, and you can you can tell that this is a really rundown part of Dallas that Koreans have moved into and opened up chicken and beer spots. Korean barbecue coffee shops and uh, Rios and I actually went to one of the seediest karaoke bars I've ever seen oh uh, fantastic and, and got on famously with the staff there because almost nobody else was there but it was you know the kind of uh, the woman running it definitely had the air of a madam right and the girls were all kind of dressed just so so it started making me think about you know this is a karaoke bar but is it more than a karaoke bar very sweet girls everybody was very very nice and this is 2022 this is 2022 and the the mama son the 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 madam was just openly smoking cigarettes at the bar it was her place she couldn't have given a shit less about things like code and you know not not smoking or what have you and so you know i'm in this neon lit karaoke bar uh you know and rios and i are singing oasis wonderwall and it's almost completely oh, empty dear. and i'm looking at the menu oh, and for 17 dollars you can get an appetizer of sea snails and i thought that would probably kill me that would probably kill me if i ate the sea snails so we were having a great time. But my point being that the revelers were coming out in downtown Dallas at about the time that we left. And it just seems wild. To, like the party continues in America. People still need to go out and drink and have sex and do drugs and, you know, be seen in these areas. Meanwhile, gas is skyrocketing. There's this push that I've never seen in in my adult lifetime to identify with a conflict going on about 3,000 miles away, I found the whole scene to just be extremely bizarre. You think? Yeah. Well, look, look, there are a couple of things that need to be interjected here. First of all, COVID, what COVID? It disappeared entirely. Oh, no Entirely. masks? No masks at the karaoke no, bar? No, yeah. no, I'm not talking about in real life. I mean, I mean, where I live, the, the people say, oh, the hell with masks. Anyway, they've done that for the whole time. Mm -hmm. But um, the media has completely, like, follow the science is gone. My media analytics say it's completely disappeared as a phrase over the mm -hmm. last uh, seven to nine to ten days uh all we're about now we've replaced it entirely with the conflict in ukraine and 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 some of the reporting on that is some of the most moronic reporting i think you could ever imagine it has no sense whatsoever none 
So all it is is just a constant showcase for what the latest thing is. You sent me a cool thing. I'm in favor of the you know the current big thing, and uh, that's all it is. That's all it is. And maybe that is all that COVID was. Oh, you know, I mean, no, I mean, what, where are we? We're in whatever world the media is making money about whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's COVID and, and getting rid of Donald Trump or now the Ukraine conflict and a way to, well, disguise the fact that gasoline is over $4. I mean, are you kidding me? Mm. Do you know the last time that happened? I mean, really, that was no. a change of the guard politically. And I think what's coming is the biggest flush out politically in America that we've seen, well, certainly since 2008, but I think maybe ever. It's very possible. I think you're you're 100% correct. Because if you think the one thing that Americans notice that hits them directly is gas prices, nothing else is really tangible to the average American. But I want to go back to this point you made about how COVID disappeared and the Ukraine took over. It became almost too much for me to be I'm barely on on Twitter anymore I just I can't I can't look at it because I think that to our listeners no matter what your political opinion on things might be you have to come to the stark realization now that in a world of almost 8 billion people there's going to be horrible shit that's happening all the time and what this Ukraine thing has proven is that it's entirely dependent upon where this media apparatus decides to turn its gaze there is nothing else to it if covid had never been mentioned if it had just slipped under the radar if for example we had had a president who wasn't donald trump in office nobody would be wearing masks right now nobody would even well, care. that's absolutely right i totally agree with that i know some people will be absolutely just spastic uh with uh well almost hate about that comment but um, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's completely about where the media monster, media machine turns its gaze and let's face it, where it thinks it can make money, you know? Right. And Donald Trump was enormously good uh, for CNN. It kept him from bankruptcy. It rejuvenated the New York Times. It, it had a significant but less impact on the Washington Post. It, it made MS, it kept MSNBC in business and Rachel Maddow, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, really. once Donald so Trump was out of office, what did, you know, once Donald Trump was out of office, what did they have? They had the death ticker. They had a constant tally of people who had died with COVID to keep people on that screen. And now, uh, Rios and I were in the hotel room flipping through channels. And of course, you pass by MSNBC. We went over this in the past couple episodes with your adventures with Hotel TV. I had my own adventure with Hotel TV recently. And when you pass these news organizations, of course, it was all something about what was happening in the Ukraine. And a point that people don't like to, to you know, really focus on is, you know, there's also, there is a civil war going on in Ethiopia. There are bombs going off in Yemen. Right now, to be fair, none of those are as geopolitically important to our country, to the United States, as those conflicts are. But it just 
it cannot be denied anymore that these people are being led around like dogs on a leash to whatever crisis the media wants. Oh, them to totally. They to. have no idea. No one. You stop anyone in the street and, and ask them to point to the Ukraine on a map. They can't do it. No, this is nonsense. This is just pure reality TV, which we know is fantasy TV, media manipulation to steer uh, the the political, uh, you know, position of America at any given time. And it, 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 it does happen around the world. It happens in Australia. It happens in Canada. It happens in the UK. It happens in Europe. Uh, I think it happens less in Europe. Um, I, I think that uh, the Southeast Asia media is a little bit, uh, well, no one pays that much. No one, no one is as hypnotized by it. So it doesn't have the same power. So around the world, I mean, in Africa, people have just given up. So across the continent, mm-hmm. uh, because it is so con- entirely manipulated by political uh, figures of, of the day, you know. I'm so, actually, I just decided to look at the Japanese, the Asahi Shimbun, which is a Japanese newspaper, and the headlines are, Multilingual Tour Guides Struggle as Pandemic Upends Industry, Booklets Touting Fukushima Plant Water Discharge Anger Schools, Russian Attacks, the Russian Attacks uh, on Ukraine are down the list on this Japanese newspaper. It's such a good idea to read other countries' newspapers. This is one of our first points, which we've made repeatedly across this podcast series. And I hope listeners do really take that to heart. Just scramble around. You, you know, the internet makes this so possible. Google on capital cities. Look at local newspapers. And why newspapers? Often because they there are writers. And David and I are both writers. And we support... What, what remains of any kind of decent professional journalism, and, and it's very embattled and often machine-made now. But nevertheless, have a look around at how other countries even package the idea of news as a Gilbert Ryle-style category, a, a major philosophical, linguistic, conceptual category. How do other countries think of news? Whereas we know the American idea is just simply, well, it's, a, it, it's, it's really quite, uh, it, it, it's the worst of carnival. It, it's, it, carnival is, is a much more dignified idea than what, what our media uh, presentation is. But I think it is amazing that COVID just vanished and it's, it, it just shows the power of, of deletion technology in, and deletion sociology in terms of, of the media agenda, you know, and will keep certain things alive. Like, you know, anything to do with Donald Trump can be resurrected at a moment's notice because it can, you know, get some attention. Mm-hmm. COVID uh, and, well... I think that the real thing is, and I, I, what I'm wondering, because gas prices, as you say, is, I mean, that's the bottom line. 
Yeah. That is that's the family sort of level. I I, I take issue that, that that's the only inflationary blowout because I've been involved in, in home renovation and I got to tell you building prices. I mean, come on, uh, molding you know, mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. uh, baseboards for a room. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? I mean, how much would you pay? Well, I can tell you what I had to pay. I mean, everything is blowing, blowing up. Mm-hmm. And we know the underlying element here that no one can deny is that the political power, party in power at the moment that is involved and therefore responsible, at least you know, in, in, in the general voting view, is going to get crucified, crucified. Oh yeah. You cannot have gas at more than four dollars a gallon today. You cannot have basic product. I mean, <clears throat> someone said to me like, "Well, do you want some cheese on that?" You know, I thought, actually, I just noticed when I was shopping how expensive cheese has gotten, and I don't even really. I mean, I, I don't. I like cheese. I eat cheese, but I don't need cheese. But everything is blowing up. Every single thing is blowing up. The Feds, uh, as in the Federal Reserve, are set to, you know, really have to address interest rates. I have met over 50 people in this interim transit period, you know, between the worlds of leaving my condo and and trying to get into my own place, uh, who have talked about the possibility of 10% interest rates. You know, which shouldn't scare us all. When I when I bought my first home, the interest rate was fifteen point seven five percent on my mortgage, uh, and that was just the way it was. You know, and and we do all adjust to it. And I I don't want to sort of throw you know too much uh, you know fear into the wind. But on the other hand, come on, mm-hmm. I mean, really, if we are not looking at the political party that has been that is now immediately responsible for this total downturn in quality of life because i don't think we really connect with the global picture whether it's the ukraine whether it's uh people in american citizens in the in the pacific who could never return home because of the hydrogen bomb experiments you know decades ago mm-hmm. no one knows anything about world geography certainly americans don't but they do know what it costs to pump up at the gas tank here are the trending stories for this japanese newspaper number one japan moving to supply ukraine with defense equipment okay so that's one ukraine story Number two, mixed gender bathing at risk due to lecherous crocodile men. Number three, <sighs> SMBC Nico executives accused of manipulating stock market. Number four, Japanese judo authority thrown by outcry to strip Putin's belt. Number five, so that's two. Number five, small audio gear maker in Tokyo hearing sweet sound of success. Number six, pandemic death toll in Osaka prefecture defies easy explanation. Number seven, scientists try to unravel mystery of eerie mermaid mummy. 
Number eight, <laughs> show of support for Ukraine comes from far and wide. That's four. Nine, Japan removes entry ban on foreigners, but not for tourists. And number 10, hundreds in Tokyo protest Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I like that headline because I'll say it again. Hundreds in Tokyo protest Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Do you know how many people are in Tokyo? Yeah, exactly right. One of Thir- the world's most populous cities. <laughs> 13.4 million people. So hundreds yeah. showed up to protest Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. That's uh, <laughs> If it had been thousands, they would have written thousands. So we have less than 1,000 people showing up to a Russia uh, protest. It's all very interesting. Well, yeah, but yeah. Your point is well taken about um, the red wave that's coming and the fact that these people are going to get absolutely trumped. And, you know, how how fast all this happened is really making my head spin. I was telling you off mic, and I'll repeat it for the listeners, but on my drive back from Dallas, um, which I really, I love that city. I love to visit it. I'm big on visiting. Do you? Oh, wow. I do. I, I like Dallas a lot. I like Deep Ellum, and I like uh, I like Dealey Plaza, um, and I mm. really enjoyed this uh, kind of Royal Lane uh, burgeoning little Koreatown that I was in. Um, so I do like visiting Dallas, but on the way back, I was thinking, and for the first time, this was not linked to any kind of depression or... Uh, really any kind of bad vibes at all i wasn't in a bad mood but i was thinking in my car on the drive back and i thought this is all going downhill very fast very matter of factly i wasn't feeling sorry for myself or anybody really it just kind of seems undeniable at this point we're uh you know the world that gus is going to grow up in is going to be very different from the one that i grew up in and that's uh it's a little a little scary but also interesting in its own way well it, it certainly is interesting and i think it, it, it you know the one of the reasons why it's interesting is that it's unpredictable yeah. you know it's um it uh you know here's the thing and and i i this is a, a kind of a metaphoric link with the japanese sort of headlines of being sort of localized I was out in the back, uh, I, I'm doing this art project in the midst of all the cleanup and all the utilitarian things. I try to sort of balance it with something creative. But I was out the, the back of my house and I looked at this lizard, you know, and, and I don't think that he was an Olympic champion lizard. I don't know, maybe, he, maybe I saw something just that, that's not your ordinary lizard. But let's just say that he's Bill the Lizard. He still managed to disappear in front of me. I was watching him the whole time. He just vanished. Mm -hmm. Nothing can move that quickly. Nothing in the world can move that quickly except Bill the Ordinary Lizard. And I thought, you know, if we can just get more and more localized, which is not the same thing at all as being self-absorbed, because this is a community thing. This wasn't me disappearing at a moment's notice with beauty and grace and athletic finesse. This was Bill the Lizard. But I wonder if we paid more attention 
in that Solomon Islander sense that I often talk about to what's going on immediately around us. If, if that change, imagine if we all did that, if we all did that together on the same day, mm-hmm. maybe we would start seeing the global huge dramas differently. Maybe we might actually know why they're happening. I mean, why what why has Afghanistan been important? You know? Yeah. Is it because of oil? Is it all are all of these conflicts because of fossil fuels that we need to get over as a species anyway? I mean, what's really driving all this warfare? Uh, you know? And 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 why are people why are there so many refugees around the world? Well, we don't really know. And, and, and there are so many different causes. Or are there? Or maybe there's really like three, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think somehow sort of breaking that down into a more localized sense of, well, what does this mean to us? What, why, why should we care? I mean... I don't know. We're, we're told to care yeah. about so much. And that's mm-hmm. what concerns me about the Ukraine thing now. Like, we support the Ukraine. And, you know, it's so easy to go, yeah, because I don't want to support Putin because he's another sort of dictator. And, and it's like, wait a minute. I don't even know what I'm talking about, really. Right. I'm just being right. fed some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, I think that Putin with a, you know, his personal history and personal presentation, I, I feel pretty cool not supporting him. Right. But I don't really have any uh, intellectually credible uh, reason for saying that in the way that I want to, and the, 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 to the standard that I hold myself to. Right. I th- so there's there's a lot that I want to say about that. First of all, in terms of Putin, I've read The Man Without a Face. So I, I have if the, if that book is to be believed, yeah, Putin's not a, a great guy. He's a pretty much a gangster. Um, they're also, all gangsters, though, David, and they're all head of intelligence agencies sure, and black yeah, of ops. And, of course, yeah. You know? no, no, you're absolutely right. And... You know, I've also read Alexander Dugan's, you know, Fourth Way. So Dugan has been positive. He's a good as, writer. Yeah. He's he's a very interesting person. He's a very interesting person who essentially hit, he breaks down the three leading ideologies of the 20th century as capitalism, fascism, and communism. And he basically posits a fourth way. It's a little sketchy on the details of what exactly this would look like, where his idea is that, you know, we have to pick from each one of those three the elements of them that work to create something new which immediately sets people's hackles up because he's insinuating by that that there are parts of fascism that he would keep um and you know he's a very controversial figure he he wrote a sort of geopolitical war game strategy book in 1997 that outlines exactly what russia would need to do to get back on top and of course one of those things is you know taking back the ukraine and on and on right so all of these things you can find out for yourself if you're not completely steamrolled by needing to be on a certain team 
because I know that there are people who would not read Alexander Dugan's book, uh, which is, it's a bit repetitive, but it's not long. It's about 200 pages. But people who simply would not read that, right? Or wouldn't spend time to read The Man Without a Face, wouldn't read, you know, older books by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, the Gulag Archipelago, One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, Gulag by Anne Applebaum, Russian history has Or been... your own first book, I or... might add. Exactly, right? So I know a lot of this stuff because <laughs> I did a lot of research for that book. But the thing is, you can't do any of that if, as you said, you have to be, you know, taking... You either have to be taking a side or you have to be in hysterics all the time. We're going... Excuse me. We're going to be incinerated by by nuclear weapons. Uh, you know, I saw a video on Twitter of somebody, a, a mother holding her dead child. We've got to do something about the Ukraine right now. Here's the thing. You mentioned moving it to a kind of local consciousness. And I think that if you sit with what that means for a moment, when you're thinking locally, when you're thinking about your family and your direct neighbors, and maybe you move that sphere out to your town, we're thinking in terms of you know, between five and 10,000 people, right? It, you no longer really have the luxury of thinking in absolutes because the smaller you get, the more hands-on you get with everything, the more you have to compromise and the more you have to bring people into the fold and the more you have to make some really hard decisions. I'll use an example. So in my town that I'm currently moving out of, there was a woman who was going door to door and she was getting people to sign a petition to keep uh, Norman from building three new homeless shelters, one of which would have been very, very close to the elementary school, right? Now, I'm not going to live in Norman for very much longer, so this isn't my fight anymore. But had I decided to stay, I would have signed that petition and been on board to not have a homeless shelter um, built next to an elementary school. What does that have to do with what I'm talking about, right? So if you're thinking in terms of these grand, <laughs> grand... I was so, wondering. If you're thinking in terms of these grand social movements, right? Like, I am against homelessness. And that is your frame of reference. Well, then you would think that it would be a monstrous thing to deny the, the, the building of these shelters for, for poor homeless people. But if you're thinking locally, you know, that's my kid's elementary school. That's, uh, you know, that's my neighbor's kid's elementary school. All of a sudden, that ideology that is just simply, we have to fix the homeless problem, all of a sudden that goes away because you've begun thinking locally again. So I think that along with localism comes a level of detachment that allows you to engage with, you know, historicity and, and you know, the way that these different events are happening in isolation divorced from their ideological team sports aspect well because we're we're, we're lateral flexible uh, bounce off the wall sort of people I'm just going to throw in something that, that may not make any sense or connection with what you just said, except that it triggered an associative pattern in my head. And I, I'm hoping that what a part of our psychic defense, psychic advancement mission is, is to encourage people to really get very local 
with their own deep associative patterns, which are magical and which connect to larger magic systems by definition, because no one's that eccentric or that individual, you know, we're just not, we're not that, you know, we're not that unto ourselves. I was thinking about, uh, the bowling alley in my town, which is absolutely fabulous. If you close your eyes and imagine a vintage 1960s, early 1960s bowling alley with a classic neon bowling pin sign, small, small town, you know, only eight lanes. Uh, you, you just couldn't do better than this. This is a film location uh, hotspot. You, you would pay millions of dollars to recreate this original nostalgia and, and innocence and uh, just 1960s wonder. And, of course, the forces of progress are talking about renovating it. Someone thinks there's money in this. And they're going to, you know, okay, maybe they're going to redo the lanes. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of bowling alleys connected with casino resorts that, you know, they're all brand new and everything's perfect. And, you know, I mean, why? Why would you try to compete with that when that, you know, that's ridiculous. And I went to, uh, just to sort of check out the scene, I went to see a league night, and leagues are, are really big here. It's a big, big social scene. And I said to the dude who was running the place, you know, I hope you don't renovate. I hope you don't try to keep up with the Joneses that aren't your Joneses and don't, you know, they're not in your town. They're around the mountain, you know, 12 miles away, and they're part of casinos. Because whatever you do in terms of renovation, you, you're not going to renovate the people. You know, you look around and the people match the decor, the interior. They fit into the environment. And this is something that, nat, you know, animals in the wild naturally do. They fit in. They're part of it. They're colored like the environment. They, they just look like they belong there because they do belong there. So if we renovate the bowling alley, we're going to make the people look weird. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a connection with what you were saying earlier. I think, I think that so. it is. Yeah, it, it's, a, so. it's an oblique one. I accept that. But um, that was the thought that was triggered. Did that make any sense to you? It did make sense to me. It's a thought that I had walking through Dallas, especially this renovated area of Koreatown. There was this fantastic coffee shop that was, uh, I guess it's a popular chain in Korea. It's called Tom and Toms. And you walk into it and there is, you know, wood paneling. It's all very modern. It's not a style that I like in and of itself, but I liked where it was because it was built in an abandoned mini strip mall. So to get to this new and fresh coffee shop, you walk into a foyer, uh, a kind of, well, no, I should say a lobby area and down the hall in the lobby area, there are all these shuttered buildings beyond uh, some yellow tape is actual broken glass and bits of wood. So this is a place where derelict kind of ragamuffins have been setting up camp right next to this amazing coffee shop. But 
the thing about how kind of pristine and interesting this is is that it kind of it fit in with the people who were working there at that time i don't think it would have fit in if its previous residents had still been living there right because all human beings have this chameleon-like ability to become a part of their environment which in a weird way i won't jump to it just yet but in a weird way that that links to my ad campaign but i get you man i i think that's i think that's an interesting point about uh not necessarily well i guess gentrification is definitely a part of that but i i feel like there's a there's a soul connection between people and their environments and you can't you can't change one without making you know all the people in it look out of place i'm thinking of you know like a corner bar in brooklyn or portland let's say portland right it's all these kind of long longshoremen or uh no we'll say that they're they're lumberjacks right it's it's a lumberjack bar <laughs> and it somebody some idiot with a bunch of money comes in and renovates it and turns it into a place that hipsters are supposed to go to get you know four dollar montuckies and you know you'll you notice whenever that happens i would see this in portland all the time those guys who've been going to the bar since 1973 uh, they're all still there and they wouldn't have looked out of place, but they do now. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, that being out of place, we always want to encourage listeners to really look closely at phrases. Phrases are very strange constructions of language and of mind. You know, they're not just individual vocabulary words. They're whole packages. They're, they're, they're complex intellectually. Out of place is a phrase. And what a powerful phrase it is. Uh, I think that's a good transition to um, maybe our tool uh, for sure. uh, this session. If, if, uh, if we're yeah. ready for that, do you think? Yeah, hit me with a tool. Okay, well, we're in a phase now where we're looking at uh, for inspiration in terms of psychic defense and psychic uh, nutrition. Uh, and I like that idea, you know, defense and nutrition uh, from a mathematically inspired point of view. And we've talked earlier about the problem of uh, equal, the equal sign and what that really means. What a, what a strange idea. You know, X equals Y. Well, really? How did that... Whoa, whoa, what does that really mean? The statement of identity versus the statement of equal or similar worth value. Very complicated philosophical things going on with the idea of equivalence. And I'd earlier talked about um, my loathing of people who use the term false equivalencies uh, I love. I understand and love the idea. I think it's a perfectly valid idea. Uh, in my personal life, I don't like the people who use that phrase, that phrase, not the idea, the phrase. Mm-hmm. But let's look at the notion of an equation, an equation. And I encourage listeners to do a little bit of research into where that notion comes from because it is so central to all of civilization. And I'm not talking just about Western civilization. I'm talking about the idea of, of 
civilization globally uh, in, in human terms. It, it's just, it's so central. What really is going on with an equation? Is it a statement of identity? No, it is not. Mm-hmm. It's a statement of balance. Balance. The three elements of physical human capability or flexibility, strength, and balance. That's what getting older means, is you start losing flexibility, strength, and balance. That's what getting, you know, being young and fit means, is having a natural sense of flexibility, strength, and balance. But I think that applies to our intellectual, conceptual life as well. Mm -hmm. And we often forget the balance aspect, the balance of an equation. That's what's going on. Let's look at the most, one of the most fundamental equations there is. The equation that defines the process of photosynthesis upon which all of life on this planet is based. C... 6CO2, carbon dioxide, plus 6H2O water goes to arrow C6H12O6. The fundamental equation that defines the turning, the transformation, the magical, magical, alchemical transformation of light energy into chemical organic energy. There's nothing more mysterious, more magical, more essential to life on this planet than that equation. Mm -hmm. And it's not an expression of identity. It's an expression of balance. It's an expression, it's a calculus of transformation and dynamic energy. Dave and I often talk about trying to break down the hard object sense of nouns into the dynamic wave of verbs. Isn't that a better way to look at the world? I mean, there's a great way of looking at a beautiful woman as a noun. There is that. But it's so much more true to life to think of it as a verb. You know, she's not. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. a dynamic process. We're all dynamic processes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea of, of equation, first of all, as striking a balance. So we need to look for balance in our thinking in our listening to other people, into our engagement with media, and any outside influence. We are trying to determine balance from imbalance because one of the great principles, an oscillating frequency of one system has the potential to modify Mm -hmm. the oscillating frequency of another. If you accept imbalance in other systems, in other chains and streams and rivers and winds of input, 
well, you're going to be very hard-pressed to, to reestablish a balance within yourself. Listen, seek out, value. Valence is important. Valence, the, the process of valuing is important. And it's, it's your right. It's, it's part of your sovereignty as an individual mind. Seek out balance. Hear the good equation. Hear the harmony. Hear the melody. Hear the balance in sentences. Mm-hmm. Listen for balance. And it's, it won't entirely, you know, steer you, right? I mean, there's a lot of deception that can be well-packaged rhetorically with beautifully balanced sentences and ideas. But it's, a, it's at least a good basic principle. Does it, does it look right? Get the spirit level out. What a beautiful term that is. I've got a, I've got a lovely little miniature spirit level that just, you know, the little bubble says, yeah, this is good. Right. Put that spirit level idea to work on all of the things that confront you today because we're so bombarded by so much information. Just say, well, does it balance out? Is it level? You know, is it, is it squeaky? Does it work? And if you do that with, with individual things that when you can, when you have the time and the physical and mental energy to approach it, then big things, giant things won't pile up and overwhelm you to the point where, oh, look, this is just too hard. A house just fell on me and I was really trying to just do the level of a window, you know, mm-hmm. you, you got to do you break things down at, at the energy level and, and not be overwhelmed. But f- the photosynthesis equation is a, such a brilliant, luminous model of human understanding of the world. And it ties back to one of our uh, intellectual heroes of Gregory Bateson and uh, to George Lakoff and Mark Johnson's idea of metaphor. For those of us who are more, you know, literary and, and um, conceptual than sort of STEM subject base, metaphor is, is not to be dismissed. You know, metaphor is a kind of equation. It is. Right. But it is not a statement of identity. It is a statement of dynamic relations. And it's not really even a statement. It's a beautiful calculus of dynamic relations, you know? And I want people to think about this as my metaphor of stroking the body of a loved one and really taking that information in in a very tactile body memory sense that this is what an equation and a metaphor is Get very physical, real, human, animal, and deep time with these things. And don't let the idea of an equation be something sterile and mathematical if you're not a math person. You know, it's not. It's about stroking the curve of someone you love and want to pleasure. That's my tool. I dig it. I have a tip coming up that's different. I really like the idea of balance and the equation as being something that's constantly in process. 
what yes. vibrated. Yeah, yeah. What vibrated with that you is was, the thing. Yeah, that is with, the thing, David. Yeah. You know, you you've just you you've said it so. It is not a fixed thing of identity and concrete. We're not getting out. I mean, there's a time for concrete and and drywall and lumber and there there's a time for those things but this is not the time <laughs> this yeah. is not the context right and the spirit level is a great idea with that as well because what you said about an oscillating frequency has the tendency to upset or reposition the oscillating frequency of something else means that you can never be aiming to have two things on either side of an equals equation be the same thing because that's not what it's about it's about constantly um, tweaking and adjusting and vibing and using that spirit level outside of the realm of you know words and and pictograms right like circle equals circle you know you're you're actually trying to engage in a process of spiritual and mental balance uh, and I think I think that what a lot of people feel when they when they talk about you know depression or what have you is a, a lack of that kind of balance, right? Of them trying to put a square exactly. peg. It's like a square peg into a round hole. It's not going to work, right? But you have to start oscillating on a different frequency to where you all of a sudden have you know a round peg for a round hole. So I think that's a I think that's a great tool. Did you want to hear my my ad pitch. Oh, I do. I think I think okay. we all do. I mean, you're always so good on this, and I think this does come down your your bowling alley because you have often expressed a kind of nostalgia for a New York that you could never have known, a 1970s sort of New York. And I know that you do love the city uh, as much as I do, and it's a uh, important from many points of view, but certainly for all writers, but. I thought it was a good sort of challenge for you to really focus on an advertising idea. So yes, we're ready. Okay, so the commercials would be based on a concept of finding between three and five different people, perhaps having one of them being a child right but we'd want let's say a bartender a construction worker a child an elderly woman and a guy who works on wall street let's say we have it's a pretty diverse roster and what we do is we strap a gopro to each one of them for a few days and have them walk around entirely unscripted and record at all times the things that they are seeing and what we would do is we would edit these into 30 second bits where we would take all of the local color from all of the five boroughs as a matter of fact you know what it should be five people because we have five boroughs so we can have a kind of quick tour of each one but I would want you know human interaction and I would want to catch those extremely New York interactions when I used to house sit for my friend Scott Adlerberg who has a townhouse in Bed-Stuy, I would be amazed that neighbors from across the street would shout at each other. It sounded like they were angry at each other until I started really listening to what they were saying. And in fact, they were just talking. 
That's just how they were communicating with each other. So I would want to see interactions like that. And I think for a slogan, we could have, you know, New York, where the people are. And we could really hone in on the the idea of New York as a living, breathing, historied place with diversity is the wrong word, right? This isn't, we're not trying to check boxes here, right? We're trying to find the real, the real Harmony Corinne style freaks, right? This is the New York of, of kids without all the nasty stuff. <laughs> I don't know why my mind went to that, but that would be, that would be my, my, my advertising pitch for New York. Uh, wow. Let me, let me, you know, here are some thoughts about this. Um, New York, where the people are. You know, my first thought is that, that uh, well, I'll, I'll sum up generally. I, you know, you always surprise me. That's why I give you these imaginative challenges. And I, I, I hope people really do follow this through in a kind of... Uh, evolutionary sense because there's always something uh well genuinely unexpected and i think that that's really important in people uh to you know you want to be predictable in certain you know streams of life your ethics your morals your your professionalism and things but i don't think anyone who I admire wants to be predictable in an intellectual sense and and you you really aren't uh, I think uh, New York where the people are is is absolutely a beautifully um, my first thought was that oh dear that's just too conventional too simple and then I thought no that is a really beautiful line that can work across a whole range of executions that's that's as in in the business of advertising as we say that has legs you know it can work across so many many things from famous new york celebrities to very ordinary sort of people uh certainly representing the five boroughs i like that thinking you know often we forget that and many people can't name the five boroughs of New York. Mm -hmm. um, they really do think of, of Skyscraper National Park, as Kirk Vonnegut said, Manhattan, or maybe Brooklyn, maybe mm -hmm. Queens to some extent. And then someone will throw out, you know, the Staten Island Ferry. So that means Staten Island. But really, what's, you know, five boroughs, mm -hmm. Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, Staten Island. What's the fifth one? You know, mm -hmm. do you know the Bronx? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, the Bronx. I mean, and and that's exactly how the people in the Bronx feel. It's like, wait a minute, why? Wait a minute, why weren't we first mentioned? You know, we've got. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that that's the, the whole they point. Have some, that's where uh, baseball there, right? Is that in the Bronx? No, I don't know. Well, Brooklyn, you know, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, but... Uh, I mean, the Bronx Zoo, you know, the Bronx Cheer, the Raspberry, you know, the sort of attitude. I mean, I think a lot of what was the uh, conventional or caricatured New York accent 
of of you know the first wave of of mass media was a Bronx you know accent in many ways, um, and then hip hop of course really I think you know started in the South Bronx more so than than in Harlem. Um, it, it's it. It, it it's a I think it's a great line where the people are. I mean it, it's and also what I like about this and I think you and I should consider possibly pitching ourselves as a creative team for world advertising work. Uh, I, I'm starting to miss that engagement and that competitiveness and also that income stream. <laughs> uh I think we we do need to look at that, uh, and I'll say that on mic uh, because I think that we we have some some real capabilities to offer brands around the world. Uh, I like the New York attitude implicit in the that line where the people are. You yes. may remember a, a classic New Yorker magazine cover that showed a picture of America that was, well, rather New York-centric, to say the least. Right, it was, right, right, it, right. It, You know, it beautifully captured the snootiness you of are, basically... You're picking, it up. you're picking it up what I'm know. laying down. Because I, when I was thinking about this, sorry to interrupt, but it's very New York of me to do so. Um, I was when I was thinking about this and I thought of that line, I thought of all the social media fervor that would be like, what? So you're saying that people in the Rust Belt aren't where the people are. There are people all over the country that people. And that is exactly the attitude that I would be going for, because the ad campaign would be like, yeah, deal with it. Eat me. This is where the people are. That's that's the most New York thing I could think of. Well, I think that's, that's beautiful. You know, I'm walking here. I'm walking yeah, here. Right. You know, yeah. it's Ratza Rizzo from the, from the Bronx, you know. Uh, and I, I, I call attention for listeners to compare uh, what David just laid on us. And all of advertising work, I, I mean, that was where I did a lot of time and years and, and really put a lot of my own creative heart and soul into it. And I really believe in it. Um, even if people think, you know, bad thoughts about advertising, you know, Madison Avenue. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, but nevertheless, there are a lot of creative people who pass through that channel. And if you are smart and if you are genuinely creative, uh, you can do good work in that. And so that was the challenge to David. I like the, the idea that uh, it is so based in the New York mentality, the New York ethos, the New York spirituality, if we can say that. But contrast that for a moment with the the advertising campaign for California, which was, you know, a a pretty big spend and a pretty big deal. It was, I don't know, like a, you know, a hundred million, two hundred million dollars. I think about maybe a between a hundred and two hundred million dollar campaign of dream big come to California. I mean, really, that that I would think a twelve year old could have come up with that. But I like David's thing of New York, where the people are. Yeah, 
also it's like I'm in with the in crowd. I go where the in crowd goes. I want to be where the people are, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it's also not saying, well, please come back to New York. We're not really as crime-ridden and rat-eaten and, and you know, lost as, as you might have heard on your, you know, flyover, you know, local Fox News station. You know, please come, you know, which is what California is saying. No, I think that's really cool. I think that's a very strong idea. And for all creative people out there, uh, one of the things that my great, uh, business partner who died in 2006 very different sort of individual uh, 12 years older than I am uh, we didn't have anything in common at all except that we worked together very well uh, he always supported the the simple idea that could travel far and his metaphor for that was, was a good skip stone the good skip stone is not the the stone that is just, you know, beautiful or, you know, it, it, it's, it's beauty is in the utility of it, you know, when you throw it, when you skip it and suddenly you think, oh shit, that was 11 skips, you know, uh, that was a good stone. And I think that's good, good work, David. I, I, cool. I would hire you as, uh, you know, a copywriter conceptualist in my agency. And I'm going to continue to think about what we could do together that way because um yeah let's do it that's good work yeah we should yeah and it would be one of those things too where i would preface it by saying you know just you know get ready to weather the storm right it'll be a big controversy but the things that i've learned about controversy in my time on this planet is that there are two streams that run through controversial ad slogans, campaigns, they get completely ripped apart in the media, on social media, what have you. But the fact that they're being amplified means they get heard by people who are not necessarily putting that kind of framework around what's being said. And they're the ones who are going to hear this thing and they're going to say, you know what? Yeah, that is where the people are. You're, You're playing into that kind of mindset that people who I think are on the fence about moving to New York really have in the first place. So you're just you're just kind of ramming that thing home. But do you have a do you have a tip for us today? I'd like to hear the tip. I do have a tip, and I think it, this is a very basic social tip. But I've I've moved from uh, you know. I mean, I've lived in some really weird places in my life, including some extremely remote tribal places or and rural Australia, a whole bunch of different places. But I had been, you know, living in a kind of uh, anonymous uh, suburb. Uh, Henderson is is one of two major areas in Vegas, Henderson or Summerlin. Las Vegas itself is actually called paradise and doesn't really exist. So I'd kind of been living a semi-urban, not suburban, but semi-urban existence until I moved to Boulder City, which is, I think a real, a true small town. And it suddenly brought to, to mind very easily, uh, very naturally, uh, a conversational engagement with people. I've had more conversations over the last two weeks than I have over the last two years. And that has nothing to do with COVID. It's just me feeling, you know, like I, I can be out there. And, uh, an older couple uh, was was uh, walking, and I, you know, I, I'm no longer uh, a, 
when I say older, I mean a you know older uh, couple mm-hmm. were walking past me on the street. Beautiful morning, and uh, the woman had a simply lovely, uh, you know, Jacob's magical coat. It was just something. It was a beautiful jacket she was wearing, and uh, I said, "That's just a lovely jacket." Mm-hmm. That's all I said. But they stopped, and she said with, with a pride that I think any creative artistic person can understand, thank you so much. I, I made it. Hmm. And the husband was not, je- you know, where they're, you know, 10, 15, uh, probably 15 years old. But he's not jealous. He's proud of her. She did something that attracted attention. And it, it really was a, just a gorgeous piece of work. I mean, it was just beautiful. Uh, well made, but the fabric choice, just the, just the craftsmanship of it, the artistry of it was, was spectacular. Mm-hmm. And it was a moment, and it started a whole conversation. And it may start a relationship. Uh, you know, we, we, we exchanged phone numbers. We, we, you know, it was just this moment of, of engagement that, you know, and I do that. I, I pay compliments. And this is my tip. I am tired of a world in which people behave in a subway sense of don't make eye contact, don't engage. Stop that right now. Engage with people, have conversations, but pay compliments. Pay legitimate, real compliments. And for men, don't be afraid of saying, that, that's a fantastic dress. If you see, you know, you don't have to say, what a hot ass or something like that. That's inappropriate. But to say, look, to compliment people's taste, their choices, their decisions, that's what makes people lonely is when they're making decisions alone. If they get their decisions validated, that's so much more important than saying, oh, beautiful body or, you know, you know no, that's right. inappropriate from, from, from a stranger point of view. But say, look, that was a beautiful decision or I loved what you did with that or my God, that jacket is, is just perfect. You know, have the courage, the faith, the, the good faith belief in humanity and just general social interaction that if you're smiling, if you've, you know, if you're well presented yourself, if you haven't straggled out of some subway sewage tunnel or something, you know, <laughs> and you're not hustling someone, right. you know, say, look, you, you look fabulous. Mm-hmm. That's working for you. And, you know, and I, I, I live by that credo. And I, I was in the supermarket today and there's this guy who's, oh, I don't know. He's probably 150 pounds overweight, but he has a great beard, great mm-hmm. beard. And uh, I said, that beard's working for you, man. You know, mm-hmm. and with that tone of voice, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just a little bit of cheer. You could just see a little bit, this is a big guy, you know. He would be hard to knock, Mike Tyson would find him hard to knock down, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
and his eye lit up a little bit. You know, I could see them both. There was just that little, you know, the, you know, it was a little bit of dilation, a little bit of connection that validate people. You know, be big enough to validate people. Ask your, you know, the hell with empathy and connecting with people and all that sort of practice kindness, you know. I don't practice kindness, but I do chat with people and I do just say, hey, that looks fantastic, you know. I love that. Just, I love the way you, you know? said that. I don't practice kindness, I chat with people. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not practicing anything. You're being genuine. I used to do this all the time when I was at work. I would say it to men and women alike. I would say simply, you know, if, if a coworker of mine walked in and she had a nice dress on, I'd be like, hey, it's a great dress. And that's all you have to say. It doesn't sound lecherous. It doesn't sound inappropriate. Exactly. A hundred percent, it would get, you know, oh, like you said, you'd see them light up because they're at home and they're thinking, I have this fantastic dress. I know I look great in it. And they're walking to work and nobody's mentioned it because of course like you don't want to be you know nobody wants to be seen as creepy or whatever but you have to just you have to take that you have to take that risk and if you don't have that in your heart then that's not what will come through i was at the gas station the other day and i was in there uh uh, paying for an energy drink and the guy behind the counter didn't speak english as a first language i'm not sure what his first language was but he's kind of a strange little kind of a, a heavy set little guy uh, but he said, "Hey, I just want to let you know, man. I love that shirt. That shirt looks great, and it's this red stripe. It. It's this yeah. red stripe shirt that my mother bought for me, and I get compliments on it left and right. It is. It's a very handsome looking shirt. But that's what he said. He said, he said, I love your shirt. He said, you look really handsome today. Which sounds like a weird thing for a stranger, a man, to tell another man. But I took it in the spirit that it was given, and it made my day a little bit better." So there you go. You know, there you go. People aren't as fragile. And, you know, and if they are, if people misinterpret, I mean, there's the beauty of like face to face stuff is you've got your voice, you've got your inflection, you've got your facial expression, you've got your hands and your whole body posture. You've got a lot of stuff working for you. So you're not online and it's just a, you know, a blank bit of text. Uh, But we got to stop worrying about you know, it's the intent. It's it's like, what's in your heart? Do you, do you mean just to say something fun and casual and but 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 affirming? And are you a positive force? If you're a positive force, you will be interpreted like a good dog, and people will know. You know, and they won't be afraid of you. And if anyone is, it's going to be a one-off thing. But keep to your program of just being responsive to the world. Of you know. Be respectful, you know. It, you know, I, I think absolutely like whistling at a at a woman or saying, "Wow, what a what a body," you know. But I think saying that looks great on you, or what a, what a lovely you know dress, or yeah, those shoes are working for you, man. Or uh, where'd you get that shirt? You know. Yeah. I mean, it's a great color on you. That's a that's a perfectly fine compliment. Nobody's gonna miss. Yeah, absolutely, that. it is. But geez, the point is just to be complimentary. And, you know, compliment with the I is also related to compliment with the E, as in, you know, the balance, the, the, the fulfillment, the connection. And I think we need to think about that, that, that uh, we need to learn how to pay compliments again. I mean, Jesus, you know, let's be conversationalists. 
let's be good lovers, let's let's try to be more engaging, but also let's just try to be cool, friendly strangers, just, you know, going by in the street going, hey, that's a really good looking dog, you know, that's a proper dog, you know, right. you know, right. and, and, and people warm up to that, I mean, God, get some warmth back happening, I I'm just sick of all this mask stuff and people all armored up and it's like, oh dear, you know, it's like, yeah, my, yeah. you know, it's not I'm good. You, it's not I'm good. We got to break out of that. Yeah. So that's the tip. Yeah. Pay compliments. You know, it. have fun. Let's 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 enjoy each other. Jesus, you know, life is so short. It is. All right. Dream. Another great episode. And yes, take us out on a dream. Okay, well, this kind of chimes in with the whole thing, and I, I, uh, I do want to say up front, it is a sex dream, and it was very, very voluptuous and beautiful uh, and horny, you know, let's just, cool. you know, let's, let's not do apologize it. for, let's not. you know, the equation of sex and horniness, uh, but the woman in question, and I am a heterosexual, so it was a woman, um, it was kind of some sort of academic uh presentation and she was the ideal sort of i like uh brunette sort of warm darker sort of like red wine women rather than blondes and chardonnay mm-hmm. um something a little bit with more texture and a little bit sort of uh, well, brunettes, I guess, is the best way to put it. Of, and brunettes, maybe of, 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 you know, with with multicolor influence there. Uh, but it was an academic presentation, and this woman was kind of like my ideal sort of female, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit younger than what would be appropriate for me, but. I, I was kind of wondering why I was on this sort of board, sort of evaluating. She was going to make a presentation, and I had some sort of authority to sort of say something. And I didn't feel comfortable about it, and I didn't think that the other sort of shadowy, vague people on the board, maybe six other people, they weren't really clear, and I didn't get a good vibe from them at all. And... She went to uh, start off the academic presentation, and instead of you know speaking behind a podium, she did this beautiful sort of somersault flip, and she was just so perfectly balanced, which I think is kind of the theme for this this episode, and strong but still very very feminine, but just powerful for her body weight and able to do what she wanted her body to do and then she just released this kind of uh, diaphanous uh, outfit that she had on and she was topless and she had on kind of raunchy but cute raunchy panties you know sort of uh, a kind of red mauvish somewhere like Valentine's-ish sort of panties, mesh. The kind of thing that a smart woman would do to be a little bit, you know, out there. 
and then those just disappeared and there was a really just beautiful take on the bush just not like a clinically disappeared new porn bear but just a nice little bit of female fur you know just just nice for my taste anyway and she performed these beautiful af acrobatic but very sexualized uh, maneuvers while she was giving her presentation. And of course, I can't remember what the presentation was about because I was watching her <laughs> behind. Right. And, but the thing, the takeout was, and what I woke up with, and a kind of a lovely early morning feeling, was it was raunchy and very sexualized. And she put her business, the working female end of the business, right up into my face. And yet it was also so innocent and natural and human. And it just made me think, God, why aren't male-female re relationships this easy and natural? Mm -hmm. Because it was so easy and natural. And her fragrance, she had a kind of um, sort of an Egyptian sort of fragrance on her body. But then there was the genital, you know, and, and you know, the butt smell, which, which was kind of really earthy and good, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was all this package, all of this circulating energy and this dynamic gymnastic capability presenting female, fertile voluptuousness, but also a kind of innocence, you know? And I woke up with a really good vibe and also a sad vibe that, that this is so hard to find in, in waking life that, you know, there are 7.8 billion of us on the planet. I mean, surely it is natural. Surely things are kind of childlike or at least fun you know um but her balance of the raunchiness and the beauty and the simplicity and the pure athleticism uh, and i did have a thought, a thought you know this is what academia should have been like <laughs> right right yeah so there that's it excellent well thanks everybody for listening that was a great dream i enjoyed that one uh, we will be, by the time you listen to this, we'll be starting up the course the next day. So thanks to everybody who's volunteered and that closes it up for me. Chris, you got anything you want to shout out before we button this up? No, thank everyone for joining the book club. We're looking forward to this. We've got more exciting ideas and I think that David continues to, to really surprise me and inspire me. Uh, with his creative responses. We're going to keep rolling out new things. Find someone in your life as inspiring as David is to me. That's one of the messages, you know. Find inspiration. And, and if you owe yourself inspiration, mm. you know. You don't owe yourself a better burger or a better phone plan, you know. People will offer that to you. Uh, stop thinking like that. Start thinking about magical, psychic defense, 
and collaborative alchemical energy that you do owe yourself, but you have to go look for it.